This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. whose credits include Dance Captain uh, in the Heights. I think that was on at the King's Cross Theatre. Yeah. yeah. Um, Swing on the Rent UK Tour uh, on the town at Regent's Park and Hairspray UK Tour. She is also the founder and director of Applause for Thought, a non-profit organisation that provides free and low-cost mental health support, talks and workshops to those working in the entertainment industry. Hey, Ra. Hey. How was that? Everyone usually loves hearing their, like... so weird. My life flashing before me. You're just like, yes, that is me. That is me. (laughs) That is me. I've done those things. Yes, yes, you have. Uh, So before we get started, uh, we're going to play a word association game. Yeah. Because why not? So just the first thing that comes into your head. Temp work. Reception. Charity. You. Oh. Workshops. Uh, money. <laughs> <laughs> happiness. Ooh. Um, happiness. Um, peace. Chocolate cake. Yum. Muggle jobs. Love them. Sunshine. Tan. Covent Garden tube station. Pineapple. The district line. The bane of my life. Yeah. I talk about that a lot on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> it's all I tweet about, my charity or the district line. The district line. line. Yeah, or once periods and I went semi viral with yeah, the yeah. seven hundred. <laughs> seven hundred people liked it. I was like, really? All the stuff on my charity and this is what's gone viral? Okay, great. Was that the one um where like a tampon fell out your bag or something? Tampon fell out my bag, yeah. some boys laughed at me and I let them have it for the first yes. time in my life. Yeah. So Yes. Anyway, so <laughs> let's get on with the interview. Um, what got you into the creative arts? Oh, so the story goes, so I'm the kind of only person in my entire family that's ever done it. So, you know, some people are kind of feel, filters down from like parents have done it or aunties have done it. Um, I was born with really flat feet and my dad said, right, she needs to go and do ballet classes to try and like make give myself an arch whatever I think they used to do it back in the day Mm -hmm. um and I just took to it like a duck to water Mm -hmm. and just absolutely loved it um and that was my journey into the creative arts yeah amazing that's great so let's get straight in with the good stuff uh can you talk us through your journey with mental health you don't need to be like incredibly specific right now I've got more questions later but sure yeah so I when I was growing up, as I'm sure for many people, I'm, I'm 25, um, it, it wasn't really ever spoken about. Um, and then as I was growing up and going through mainly drama school, I encountered for the first time people who had these labels, someone who was had depression. And um, I didn't really understand what that was, and I couldn't relate, to be honest. Um, and I'm ashamed to say now, but I kind of, like, poo-pooed it a bit Mm -hmm. Uh, and then for me uh, it wasn't until December November December 2017 um, when I started behaving very very strangely 
um, and I was really, really suffering, and I thought it was um, physical, so I went to the doctors, and I was adamant that there was something physically wrong with me, uh, and then very quickly realised that <clears throat> it was my mind, um, and ended up in 2018 deciding that the best thing for me to do was to take a year out of the industry. Um, during that, I got therapy and CBT, and got diagnosed with um, general anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. Uh, and that was kind of my first introduction from a personal level of mental health. Yes. Yeah. So chat to us about your training. Um, where did you train and did you feel that there was mental health support there? Should you need it? So I went to Tring, um, Arts at Tring, a boarding school from the age of like 13, 14. Um, and if I'm being completely honest, um, there was very little support from the mental health perspective. Um, and I don't think that's a reflection on Tring. I think it's a reflection on the time. I don't think any colleges have that. And I've since gone back to work with Tring and they're creating an incredible wellbeing programme and it's really at the forefront of their brains, which yeah. is incredible to note. Um, but there, there really was nothing. And now with all the experience that I have and all the knowledge I have on mental health, when I look back at the people in my year, my peers, the people in the school with... Um, conditions and problems that were, went completely undiagnosed who maybe would still be in the industry now if that had been picked up has been really interesting for me to kind of reflect on uh, and then I went to the London School of Musical Theatre um, and even though it, it wasn't kind of blanketed as mental health support um, I felt incredibly supported there um, it's a one year course and there's just one year so you really are you're not a number mm-hmm. um, so I really championed LSMT for the support they gave us all individually yeah. even though we kind of didn't know what mental health was even still back then six years ago really we knew what it was but it wasn't being spoken about like it is now yeah that's really good so as we said before we only named a couple of your credits but you worked pretty consistently um coming out of college which is which is great um and people are very quick to shut down performers who are working who are saying that they are finding things tough and that they should be grateful in inverse commas um and i understand from both perspectives where that comes from however everyone's point of view is valid um did you ever struggle with this whilst in work it's it's fascinating to me now knowing what i know now um, <clears throat> when I've gone back through therapy and traced kind of the trigger points and where it began, I've been suffering with this since 2016. Um, and it took almost two years for me to actually realise that this is what was going on. Um, so yeah, I, I really struggled. Um, yeah, I was fully the one holding myself back. And in fact, my anxiety was stopping me from being able to enjoy and feel fulfillment in these incredible opportunities that were given to me. And my biggest thing that I say to people in the industry or when I'm going to do a workshop or anyone who asks my advice or I'm being interviewed on this subject is that don't want things that you're not ready for. My talent and my luck and the opportunity that was given to me straight out of college, during college, um, my mind wasn't ready for. I needed actually to have done a lot of work on myself before the before those opportunities were given, um, and there's no point looking back, you know, and uh, regretting. But if only I was the person I am now, when I was given those opportunities, the way I would feel when I was in them would be completely different. Because I have to remember that 
And this has already proved to me that mental health um, is real (laughs) and important, was the time when I had my breakdown um, was when I was living in a flat that I'd been able to buy. Um, I had a loving partner at the time and I'd been in consistent work for three and a half, almost almost three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't happy. And that wasn't because I wasn't so eternally grateful for what I had, yeah. but it's because something on a deeper level wasn't wrong. Was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I champion the the mutual support between people who are in work and out of work. Yeah. Um, isn't a reflection of how their mind is working and what's going on in their personal life. Yeah, for sure. And it, yeah, it does make sense. And I, th- I think that it's people are very quick to judge anyone, mm. really, and. I think if you're like if you're working really hard at your muggle job and you're getting like no additions and you're not getting the opportunity to get in the room and mm. then mm. people are like oh having such a, like a shit week or something and they're in the West End like mm. I can totally understand how it's natural for people to see that but your your circumstances don't make you happy like you make you happy mm. and I think that's definitely something that I'm realizing now which is good. A hundred percent, and I believe that there's a a re- you know there's it looks like a fine line, but it's not. It's a massive, massive line between someone who's being negative, mm-hmm. like a neggy eggy energy, negative who's Nelly. yeah <laughs> negative Nelly, yeah. you know, who's complaining mm-hmm. about the situations, and then someone who is like genuinely struggling, yeah, whilst being in these jobs. Because mm-hmm. um, if it's even possible, I work forty seven and a half hours a week at my muggle job, mm-hmm. and I'm earning half of what I used to earn when I was performing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a boyfriend and um, I'm still working on my mental health and all of this stuff but I am so incredibly happy and I'm back auditioning um, and you know I'm get I'm I'm not getting in the room for some things or I'm getting cut first round or I'm making it to finals and being on hold and not get getting it but I'm still so happy which shows that it was the work I needed to do on myself yeah the has made the difference yeah. not the not the validation from the job because ultimately that's what I was doing I was filling holes that were in me with jobs mm-hmm. and people and um you know seeking that validation uh so yeah yeah that's great so as as you said earlier you recently took a break from the industry and you started auditioning again at the start of this year um can you tell us the events that led to this break from the industry and how the year out and where you are now and what happened before has impacted on your mental health Mm. so I'll give you some examples because I think they're really interesting and I don't know whether there'll be someone listening that can relate um, because anxiety can manifest itself in loads of different ways Mm. but I was doing plans with the Hackney Empire and some of the weird behaviours that I spoke about earlier that I started to do were um, well I developed IBS which is one of the most common kind of partners of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I developed a psoas injury in my hip um, because my stomach was so tight and in knots from the anxiety that it was pulling pulling on my psoas. Um, and I was like, okay. Um, and then I couldn't hail a bus. I just, I needed to get a bus for my journey to, to Hackney. And I, I just couldn't hail it anymore because what was running through my brain was, you're not hailing it right. I was like putting my hand out and it felt so foreign. To, you know, it didn't yeah. feel attached to my body. I was like, you're not hailing it right. 
Um, the bus driver's going to think you're rude because it was actually indicating to stop anyway. The people on the bus can be annoyed because you've held up their journey. Um, and I was like, this isn't... Um, I don't like using the word normal, but I was like, this isn't okay. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> I was rushing to get food and I ran into a Nero and the only panini they had left, only vegetarian panini they had left, was tomato and mozzarella. And I didn't really like tomato. So normally I would just take the tomato out and just have a mozzarella and pesto panini. And I couldn't do it because I thought everyone's going to be looking at me. Everyone's going to be thinking, who is this unhealthy person who is taking the vegetables out of her? I mean, we're going to that extent, just hyper aware, couldn't get on public transport. Um, I mean, rashes, sweating, you know, insomnia, all of this stuff started happening. And I was convinced that it was all physical. I had something wrong. Um, And then when I realised that it was to do with my mind, I remember I told absolutely no one, which is very unlike me because I'm Italian um, and I'm an actress and I'm very, very um, emotional and I like to talk about things. But I couldn't talk to anyone about this. It was so, so deep-rooted. And then I remember on Christmas Day, the one day off you get from Panto, um, I remember just breaking down to my mum um, and said, you know, I'm not okay. And after that, it was quite quick. Um, I finished Panto. Uh, an audition came through for January, and I just stopped being able to pick up the phone to my agent, um, as in just wouldn't pick up the phone, and then decided to send him a really long email saying that I'm not okay at the moment and I needed some time out. Um, and at this point, I didn't know exactly how long, but then quickly after I kind of put the basic term that I was going to take a year out. Mm-hmm. Just because I thought a year is how much I'm going to need to heal, figure out what I want. And at that point, I was pretty sure I didn't want to perform again. Um, And really, really felt that on quite a deep level. And throughout my year out, my agent was absolutely phenomenal. Like, absolutely incredible. Um, He he gave me the whole year out and was just so supportive. Um, And, you know, I will always be thankful for that. And I just had a terrible time my dark months I call them were like January to April yeah couldn't find the right therapist in fact I wasn't ready to go to therapy and I think that's really important for anyone that's starting yes. sometimes you're not ready mm-hmm. so if you go and you try it and it's not for you that doesn't mean it won't be in a month's time yeah and people forget that I went through seven different therapists before I found the right one for me wow. um and in April I found my therapist and something just completely clicked and from April to October uh, November I just solidly was working a muggle job having absolute minimal stress no auditions were hanging over me things I got to do things with my friends and plan them months in advance all of the mm-hmm. things you don't get to do, get to do full that, control of my life very minimal responsibility very very baby steps um, which is very which was very hard for me because I kind of like in this overachiever mm-hmm. kind of perfectionist thing but it was absolutely incredible and then I decided to go traveling yeah. And I went travelling um, around Southeast Asia from uh, no like end of October to end of December. Um, and yeah, something just clicked for me. Mm-hmm. I came back and it was the final piece in the puzzle. Um, I'd got a lot of perspective and then I just thought, I'm ready to give it another crack and try and Im- implement all of the techniques I've learned in therapy into this industry. Can I apply all these techniques with my anxiety into an industry that um, is a trigger for yeah. all these anxious situations? Um, and oh, I, 
can't even explain to you the difference. You know, I've been in auditions now with people that have worked with me and they're going, you know, I don't recognise you. And Mm -hmm. I haven't danced or sung for a year, Mm -hmm. but because my mind's different, I'm different in an audition room, I'm being my authentic self. And, you know, getting recalled for choreographers that have cut me first round for years. And it's actual black and white proof that if you work on your mind... um, you're going to do better yeah. in this industry because talent, I think we all know, I think we realise after a few years that talent is the tiniest of proportions yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was a really long answer for that. But no, you know, that was a foul answer. And I think that's so true because there's something like, and I, I've certainly been having it with like auditions where I'd be like, right, I really need this job. And then I'd be like, I come out and I'd be like, they could tell that I really needed that mm. job and they're not going to give it to me. And I think that, yeah you're so right as the more we get into the industry the more you realize that it isn't that there's so many different factors in it and if you have this you're obviously giving out this energy that is just like a hey i'd be great to work with like yeah i mean like people people obviously are drawn to you which is why like you're getting recalls by these great people which is just great and it's really really good to hear um so we're going on to an interesting topic that we've not talked about a lot on the podcast. It is something that I've wanted to talk to and you actually brought it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've not spoken much about uh, grief and death. Um, mm-hmm. That was very death. <laughs> but basically, yeah. it is what it is, isn't it? Um, and I've mentioned occasionally that I uh, suffered from depression after my dad died in 2012. Uh, you also lost your dad quite a bit before I did, actually. And I think that there's still such a big taboo about discussing losing parents. Um, we've said it to each other that we feel like we can only openly discuss it with people who are in the same situation. Um, it's like you're in this kind of club and like you, it's only people that you're like, oh yeah, that when that happened, when that happened, and oh, I feel like this, but people don't feel like they can ask you. Um, what do you wish that people understood or empathized with when it came to death and grief and so that we can just have more open conversations you know what it is the only thing i wish with um with people is that they took away their kind of this is very kind of stereotypical but took away their kind of english nature Mm -hmm. about um how awkward it's going to be or the fact that they can't add to conversations I feel like people don't have conversations because they don't feel like they know about it mm-hmm. and the one thing I say is that you don't need to understand mm-hmm. that's what I would love for them to emphasize more with is that sometimes it just we just want to speak about it because we want to speak about it not because yeah. we need advice or need um kind of a head tilt yeah. or to pass a tissue mm-hmm. you know um it's kind of that celebration of keeping them alive so I think just to stop the fear of approaching the subject yeah. is what I would ask of other people. Yeah. I don't know if you'd agree. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, it's more like I love people asking about my dad because a lot of the people in my life at the moment, I've never met him because he died when I was in my first year at PPA and I was 18, I'd just left home. That's so And um, yeah, obviously it was difficult for my mum and my brother because they went from a family of four in the September to being a family of two in the March, which was crazy. Mm. But um, I think because like people haven't met him, um, I like them to ask about it. Like I know my boyfriend does feel quite um, awkward asking about it because he doesn't want to like upset me, but I'm like, you won't upset me by asking about him because 
you're never going to meet him and my or like our, our kids will never meet him and so like I kind of do want you to know about him yeah it's tricky it's, it's a fine line because yeah. I feel people as you say <laughs> grief is probably one of those subjects mm. uh, with anxiety you can follow a, a model yeah um, and I know that there are grieving the stages of grief and mm-hmm. you know structures out there but it's so particular yeah. to every person then there probably will be people listening to this podcast that have lost family members that mm-hmm. don't want to talk about it yeah um, and that's totally fine <laughs> but I know that we both come from the same perspective mm-hmm. on that um which is interesting and I think people who you know you have you know your friends don't you yeah so you take it on a case-by-case basis yeah. um, and I think we come from a similar Mm-hmm. Um, standpoint on that which yeah. is really interesting because again I've never had this conversation with um, someone else Yeah, um, I'm not sure there's anyone out there that can relate to this um, because I lost my dad when I was three weeks away from turning ten is that I feel like I'm in a separate club altogether mm-hmm. because it kind of feels like this, there's this hierarchy that if you lose them at 18 you've gone through something harder than losing losing them really? at 10 because you were a child, so you can't have really known them. Yeah. And then that diminishes. So if you lost them at three, you never know, never knew them at all. So therefore, you can't be upset about it. You know. Whereas oh. I just have child memories. Yeah. And then if you lose them at sixteen, you're like, oh, in GCSEs. Yeah. You know. Or you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. this kind of weird hierarchy with the, with the timing of that you lose yes. it when. That's what I found, and maybe that's me put, putting that on myself as well, is that I then listen to your story and I'm going, I can't relate to that at all. Yeah. Because I never knew my dad as an adult. So I, I can't understand the pain that you went through. And I think the most important thing is when talking about grief, and especially when people want to post or don't want to post about mm. their loved ones that they've lost on social media, for example, is yeah. everyone needs to just lose that judgment yeah. from themselves and from others. Mm-hmm. Because... Losing your dad if you're three years old, like one of my friends from home did, she has to cope with the fact that she never knew him. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I have to cope that I only ever knew him as a child. Yeah. And you, and I didn't really understand what was going on. And you had to cope with losing him at a really confusing age yeah. in your stage of development. You know, you'd just become an adult, but you weren't mentally an adult. You know, yeah, it's massive. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I've gone on... on gone off on a massive tangent no, no, but no. just yeah losing that judgment surrounding it I it's don't know really, how you feel it's really interesting that. you said that because I was like oh my gosh I never thought of it that way but then I think that it's more I put a judgment on myself so there's someone that I know back home her dad literally collapsed with a brain hemorrhage and died and so I was like whoa that is horrific and all I could think about was how horrific it would be to lose him so suddenly where it's because my dad had been ill from when I was six mm. I knew like it was like a taking time bomb I was like one <laughs> day one day it's gonna happen and I didn't know when and mm. then in the end it happened very quickly like everything was fine up until like Christmas 2011 and then from January 2012 he had like a bleed in his brain and then like the two months after that it was like it was, it's gonna mm. happen kind of thing but um that's really interesting because in in my head I'm like well it's more the circumstances that I think about rather than the age. Ah, um, but I, but I never go. I never go. Oh well, you don't. You can't understand what it was like for for me because you lost them like this and I lost him mm-hmm. like that. It's and, that, and it's the same with mental health as it is with grief. It's completely personal to everybody, and someone might be in the same circumstances as you and be absolutely fine, and then you might not be. And as we said, it's not your circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's just the situation that happens to you. So. 
How interesting. I never thought of it that way. Um, I've actually got something just interesting yeah. about losing um, a parent as a child. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is... I can even say this is this is going to be a question, but hey-ho. Um, just what I'm working through with therapy is that uh, my mum married, remarried quite soon after, which is with her childhood sweetheart. Um, and... I obviously didn't know much about that at the time, um, being so young, and then obviously went through the kind of angry teenager years-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, you know, I see my stepdad uh, very much as my dad in in a way, yeah. you know. Um, and I was talking to my mum when I started therapy and said, did I have any, like, personality changes, you know, after my dad died? Because I'm going through therapy and actually none of my anxiety is anything to do with my dad dying. Which is interesting, people go, that kind of sitting on a couch, yeah, laying yeah. back and going, oh, it must be daddy issues, or yeah. you know, you lost your father. <laughs> yeah. None of my mental health problems are anything to do with um, my dad, apart yeah. from the fact that when I was a child and he was alive, I was this super, super confident, um, kind of happy-go-lucky child. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I was after he passed away, I was the exact same, apart from the fact that everything had to be perfect. Interesting. And it's like, so it wasn't, it's sometimes grief, you're not uh, sad or uh, suffering with your mental health specifically because that person is gone, Mm -hmm. but it can manifest itself in like interesting personality traits that you develop. And I think, yeah, that's something that I found really interesting. Yeah. Um, That I then is very much part of who I am now, Mm -hmm. this kind of perfectionist complex thing. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. See, because I'm going through therapy at the moment, and my thing is a responsibility complex, um, oh. as we discussed earlier, um, because I was a very, very good child, and I never called, I think I had like one argument with my mum when I was about 15, and then maybe one when I was 17, because I drank too much vodka, and wow. literally, like, yeah. I was in like, I was not a problem at all, like, top effort marks in school, like, teachers had nothing bad to say about it. I'm just sounding like I'm blowing my own trumpet here but no, no, no. I was literally you as a kid I mean I was such a goody two shoes it hurts but <laughs> um, it was because I um, my mum was going through a lot with looking after my dad and then my brother was a little bit um, of a naughty boy mm-hmm. so I was like well I have to be good then and so that was kind of my thing but um yeah, it is It is very interesting. And it is interesting that none of your anxiety has come from that, whereas quite a lot of mine has. Mm. Because maybe maybe because it's later on in my life and I'm a little bit... Your, your brain's more developed when it happens to you. But then also, who knows? If exactly. all of my personality traits that I have now are because of that, are because of that, because yeah. of that happening as a child. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fascinating mental health. I tell it you is. that. It is. <laughs> And now, a word from our sponsor, King Manual Therapy. Hi everyone, it's Stephen King from King Manual Therapy in Covent Garden. I'm going to be talking to you about the benefits of vocal massage. So the benefits to vocal massage are, number one, it keeps your voice free and healthy. Number two, it keeps your mental health good in relation to your vocal production. Number three, it makes your voice more reliable more of the time. This particularly matters for auditions, for shows, for anything you've got coming up, including public speaking. 
So let's get on to your lovely little company, Applause yes. for Thought, um, which, as we said, is a non-profit organisation that provides free and low-cost mental health support, talks and workshops. How did you come up with this idea? So, um, very much on purpose by accident, if that makes any sense. <laughs> um, on this year out, obviously, I was like, so where's all the help at? Yeah. Um, like I need some and I very quickly realised that there was not a huge amount Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong a lot of information Mm -hmm. and for example you know I don't mind saying that there were a couple of a few times in in that year where I was on the phone to Samaritans um, and they were incredible at what I call talking you off the ledge Mm -hmm. so there's uh, lots of help at uh, a severe end um, and there's lots of help at the beginning but yeah. actually on your journey actually somewhere where you can get the tools um, to move forward I tried to go via the NHS yeah. um, and at that point uh, I went three times and uh, yeah the last time you know I'd been having quite frequent suicidal thoughts yeah. um, and I'm still on that waiting list now so and that's not through any fault of the NHS but that's obviously funding and you know all of this kind of stuff and if it wasn't for the fact that my mum paid for 75% of my therapy last year um, and so you know it's a huge amount of money um, I wouldn't have been able to get help and I just thought this cannot this cannot go on Um, and I thought the people that I can probably help the most are people in the arts because I know the most about that. Yeah. Um, and I just had this idea to put on a one-off event, a one-off event to kind of commemorate the end of my year out, just raising awareness, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, and then I contacted a few uh, therapists and thought, who's going to do this for free? I have no money to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, venues, all of that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, I want to brainstorm a name for the event and, you know... And applause for thought came up in the brainstorm session mm. and found Trevor Gray, yeah. um, therapist, and the other palace, um, and just collabed. And from there, I just thought I was kind of putting out all these feelers, and the response was just mad. Like, I was barely putting any effort in, mm. in comparison to what I thought I would have to. Yeah. And just people were you know, people I was talking to about were so excited and I thought, oh, I've got more than an event here, I've got an organisation. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's how it was, that's how it was born. Yeah. Yeah. And it was great. Um, I couldn't make it to the second event because I was on holiday. Boom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was there at the first event and it was so great to see, it was like when we did our um, panel event, it was just so great to see so many people there who think the same thing. Ultimately, just the industry is ready. Yeah. I mean, even if you see about, you know, in the news, mental health is suddenly... In yeah. this, it feels like in this last year, I don't know whether it's because we're more in tune because we talk about mental health pretty much every day. I think there's but more. mental health has just kind of exploded and I'd never ever like talking about it as a niche in the market because obviously we're, we're both charitable organisations. Yeah. Um, but there really was a gap and a need for this. So as soon as, you know, we're putting something in place, it's just the yeah. response for me has been nothing but, but positive. Yeah. 
um, you know, I put in 10% effort and I'm getting 100% back yeah. is how it feels sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, that's so good. And I feel like we've brought quite a lot of people together <clears throat> recently. I feel like there's just like a, a few like organisations and stuff that are, yeah. Yeah, are kind of like doing the same, have the same end goal, really. I mean, it's not even an end goal. It's just a, like a constant goal, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, Yeah. Uh, so your motto is education equals prevention. Yeah. Do you think that the earlier we start talking about mental health issues, the easier it will be to combat them later down the line? I mean, no brainer. Absolute, absolutely yes. For yeah. me, prevention, um, education is the first is the place where it needs to begin. You know, in schools, mm-hmm. um, in families, uh, and then only by having that knowledge can you prevent these things from happening which is why all my talks that happen every other month are on different different themes and different subjects my last one being on tax that immediately if you hear the word like tax and money how does that relate to mental health when like 1.5 i never i don't like using statistics but 1.5 million people in the uk suffer with their mental health we're not talking in the arts we're talking muggles we're talking everyone 1.5 million people in the uk suffer with their mental health as money being the direct cause for that Mm -hmm. and for me this is how the chain goes if people are educated on how to navigate this industry being financially stable which muggle jobs are gonna earn them enough money to be able to have a fulfilled life um which is the absolute important word in that you know not just scraping to get their rent but also having enough money to get that starbucks they like and going to freedom occasionally and you know a singing lesson and a physio and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff um and then if they feel in control of their taxes and it's not something this kind of thing they don't understand what that is doing is giving them control which this industry doesn't often give you which then means you have more headspace to worry about the important stuff like getting a job and fitting in the rest of your life and i think that knock-on effect might stop someone who five years down the line could be diagnosed with you know depression or anxiety um because of these money worries and the lack of control in their life Mm -hmm. so that's my my view yeah on it and that's great and i think that it's really important because we i mean we've always spoken about it um like we got a couple of tax talks at college but it's all very well being like you can claim this on your expenses you can claim this on your expenses but when you don't really understand completely how it works it's very very stressful and then you end up paying 250 pounds for an accountant which is fine but also not cool either because i didn't earn enough to pay tax last year however i had to pay 250 pounds to my accountant yeah and i think you know (laughs) but also with that is that even if you're sending it over to your accountant you still get validation Mm -hmm. from knowing how it works yeah you know rather than this kind of unknown like oh i don't understand that Mm -hmm. and i also think it's interesting because colleges um I don't like college bashing because I actually think a lot of colleges are make, making really positive steps. For sure. But doing a two-hour tax talk in their in your last term before you graduate, there are people there listening to this tax talk happening thinking, I need to respond to that agent. I need to get my rep folder sorted. Oh my God, I've heard that uh, that's auditioning. I need to get in for that. People's head are not in the tax game. They don't want to know no. about tax and money and paying on account and putting away 20% of their paycheck their only goal in third year of college is like I need to get a job Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like it's something that needs to happen like little little and often like throughout the three years or the one year or however long your course is so that it actually seeps in and becomes habitual opposed to this kind of like 
by the way, you're graduating next month. Here's some information that you're not going to listen to or understand. Bye. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much exactly what it is. <laughs> so we, going back to a closer thought, mm. um, we have partnered with our own counsellor, Mary Birch, and you've also got a fantastic uh, psychotherapist and counsellor, Trevor, on board at Applause for Thought. I think it's interesting that both our organisations have done this this year. And as we both said, we've both been in therapy um, and I'm still currently there at the moment. Me too. Um, woo, yeah, woo. therapy buddies. <laughs> um, why do you, I mean, we've kind of already answered this question, but why do you think it's so important for creators to have accessible help? Um, oh yeah, I, d- I didn't even, thank you so much for bringing that up because I actually kind of went off on a tangent as I so often do when I was talking <laughs> about this, is that reason for a pause for thought also is that, as I said, I was in a financial position to be able to get help. Um, so many aren't Mm. and that is so important to me that for me I'm not saying I don't believe that therapy is the only way yeah I believe that you can achieve that you know life coaching performance coaching mindfulness um you know all of those kind of things as well but for me therapy worked and the problem is that therapy equals expensive and I think that's a massive reason why people don't feel like they can take it on also the fact that people would rather spend 60 pounds on a singing lesson than they would on a therapy session mm-hmm. when if you were getting one singing lesson a week I think it would be more beneficial to get a therapy session and a singing lesson kind of every other week together yeah um because they really go hand in hand mm-hmm. um so yeah I think it's incredible um that you I know it sounds like it's incredible that we it sounds really like we're, I'm blowing my trumpet that's not what I'm saying at all um but to have access to discounted psychotherapy yeah. and counselling sessions is massive mm-hmm. and it needs to be subsidised by producers and um, you know bigger organisations mm-hmm. and it needs to be like routine where if you you know if you're suffering in a company with a hamstring injury you get referred to physio mm-hmm. you know the same thing should should be the case exactly. um, for mental health issues yeah um, the long game we're yeah. playing the long game exactly and I know that some companies are starting to do this. Like, I know at the National Theatre, they've got, oh, like, counsellors on the board dream. there and stuff, which yeah. is just fab. But the reason that we, in particular, set up is because it's sometimes a little easier to get help when you're in work, as in for them to, like, refer you to places yes. rather than yeah. out of work. Yeah. So you don't feel like you have anyone to mm-hmm. go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know, I know friends who have uh, been in work and find it easier to get get help whereas when you're out of work you don't feel like you have a point of call it's not mm. like your agent has got a counsellor attached to them or yeah. anything yeah um and then sometimes you don't you don't necessarily want to speak to your agent about it because you're like oh well will they think i'm not fit for work will they drop me will very good point will that happen 100 so um yeah i think that having it out there as a resource that the both of us put out there that's our thing for industry minds we just want to make it as accessible as possible to as many people as we can yeah um and hopefully in the future we'll be able to do that that's that's kind of our our goal and i'm sure as it is for i'll be there championing you and giving it a good go myself yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) exactly so if you can tell us what are your future plans for applause for thought kind of long term for applause for thought is to be a hub and a facilitator of putting people in contact with the right people to get help um, I'm starting my counselling certificate not to do anything with it but just to have my counselling certificate so that I can be a better first port of call when people contact Applause for Thought 
Um, and, you know, my absolute dream, long term, long term, is to have kind of an actual building or a room in a building in London that is the kind of hub with lots of different therapists and performance coaches working out of that building. <clears throat> so it becomes the kind of therapy centre um, for the for the industry. Obviously, we're talking really long term. Yeah. Um, but, but why not? Yeah, but why, why not? not? You know, yeah. I think for me, as I always say, with all my talks and everything that I do, when I sometimes get down on myself mm-hmm. about I'm not growing at the rate I need to grow, or I'm not. I always remember that um, if I'm helping one, I've I've helped enough. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's my kind of vision. Amazing. Yeah. It sounds great. And likewise, we will be there all the way. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, Raph, could you walk into a room today and say I'm having a bad mental health day? I feel like the answer should be yes to that. Um, and I'm going to say most rooms at most times but I'll put my hands up and say I'm still working on that yeah and that's totally valid yeah great so finally we're gonna play finish the sentence (laughs) (laughs) so my favorite thing to do at the weekend is get an oat milk latte from drop shop coffee in Southfields lovely my dead or alive party guest is oh Kurt Cobain the last place I went on holiday was? Uh, Southeast Asia, the last place I was in was Thailand. Amazing. Yeah, pretty good one. Yeah. Can I just say how boring that is that that's my favourite thing to do on a Saturday? Well, but I feel like I need to elaborate. Yeah. I have therapy. Yeah. And then I go and have an oatmeal latte at Drop Shot Coffee. And then I go to the gym and it just sets off my weekend fantastically. Excellent just want to elaborate yeah. and then I go out and do something really crazy I, I don't I yeah. don't I'm just trying to make myself sound cooler <laughs> not gonna work um a book I would recommend to everyone is oh I've got a lot of these um it's really cliche but The Alchemist oh yeah. I've not read it Oh, I feel like it's a rite of passage. Okay. It's um it is list. it spiritual? Is it a mental health book? Is it just a lovely story? Is it a fable? Who can tell? <laughs> Who knows? Who, Who can knows? tell? But it's a classic for a reason. Um uh, yeah. I'm into it. Oh, great. Yeah. The first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is uh we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <fair. laughs> people usually say check their phone, but fair. Oh, yeah, yeah, check, I do, I check my phone and then I wee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so scroll, in, yeah. scroll. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Uh, my favourite muggle job has been? My one at the minute. Great. Yeah. Great. Uh, my favourite thing in my kitchen is? My smeg fridge. I just added that in when I came in and saw that. <laughs> really nice um, and finally, happiness to me is? Um, a peaceful brain. I love that. I love that. Raph, thank you so much for joining me or like allowing me to join you because I'm in Raph's lovely apartment, which Ooh, is great. Apartment? Because <laughs> yeah. we're, we're in America. Because we're, yeah, we're in the USA. Yeah. Um, so where can everyone find you? So everyone can find me um, at in, on Instagram at applause for thought and on Twitter at applause thought and email at no applause for thought at outlook.com fab make sure you check it out make sure you go to all her workshops she's fab she's gonna help change the industry one day, <laughs> one day at a time thanks Rob. thank you 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. If you're interested in our counselling services, please email mary at industryminds.co.uk. For all other inquiries, please email info at industryminds.co.uk. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media at industryminds.uk. You can find out about all our future guests and our future events on there. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week.